Okay, we'll take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 3. There it is, 20 minutes to the hour of 8. I had the opportunity to witness to a doctor today and come to find out she was she is saved. And then we ended up having a long conversation while other patients were waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't seem to mind. But it's always a blessing when you can talk to professional people about the Lord, and um, and they're on they're on on the same uh, basis that you're on. So anyway, <clears throat> everything came out good. My memory was okay. My blood pressure is okay. My my um, my blood circulation is okay. My heart's okay. The only thing that's okay, not okay is I need to lose a little weight, but other than that, I'm fine. So the doctor said that probably if I continue to stay healthy, I may live another 10 years or more. That's always good to know. So she said, you're not old. The way you're going, you won't be old until you're about 94. So, so I'm thinking about retiring when I turned up. Uh, 84, but now I may go till I'm 94. <laughs> Romans chapter 3, we're talking about righteousness and the law and um, God's indictment against us and what God is doing to bring about uh, redemption for us. So we look at uh, verses 1 through 8, and here we have a uh, uh, God's righteous judgments against all, because all are sinners. And we see some advantages and some disadvantages in this passage of Scripture. So we'll read uh, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll come back and talk about the advantages and disadvantages uh, that uh, Gentiles and Jews have with each other. Notice in verse number one, what advantage then had the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without Effect, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in the saying, and mightiest, and and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the. Uh, righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, 
as we see slanderously reported as some affirm that we say. In other words, and not rather let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read through that, that sounded a little confusing to me. Unless you're smarter than I, I had to do some study on that. Because I thought, well, that's not making a whole lot of sense. But when you get to studying it, then you find out what he's talking about. But why don't we pray so I can convey to you what I understand, what I have just read to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless our time together. Amen. Last week we talked about Israel's failure in applying God's given privileges of his goodness, his love, and his righteousness. Uh, and uh, those that uh, would blaspheme the name of God as a result of that. We talked about how Israel's lack of maturity led others uh, to failure because uh, their stumbling block causes many others to stumble just like yours. So the hypocrisy brought reproach to the name of God just like our uh, hypocrisy will bring reproach to the name of God. So now it gets into the reasons why we have such failures in righteousness. But he first of all wants to brag about being a Jew. God has privileged the Jews by giving to the Jews the word of God. The oracles came by them. And so God uh, chose Israel out of his goodness and whatever reason you can call it God's sovereignty. We're not sure exactly why God chose the Hebrews over the Gentiles, but he did. But we do know one thing, that God knows what is in the heart of people way before they ever come into this world, not because he planned that way, because he just he sees time differently than we see it because it's always present for him, if that makes sense it makes sense to me. It may not make sense to you, but it'll make sense to you when you get into heaven. All things will be clear because right now we're kind of like a fish in dirty water, but one day we'll get out of that dirty water and we'll be able to see everything nice and clear in high definition. We find also in verses 3 and 4 that we just read that all mankind is guilty before God and they have no basis in defending themselves or trying to justify themselves uh, for the sins that they commit. As we look at verses 5 and 6, we see that the advantage of the Jews has no bearing on God's judgment over the Gentiles. God is no respecter of persons. Man's righteousness, Uh, or pardon me, man's unrighteousness has certainly been demonstrated by his deeds of wickedness and ungodliness. And uh, it certainly uh, gives God every reason in his justification to bring about his wrath upon sinful man. But then as we come down to verse number 7 through 8, the argument it is, well, then, If 
we are unrighteous and there's no way that we could ever measure up to God's righteousness and God knows that and God set forth his standard of righteousness to prove that his word is true as it is compared to unright our unrighteousness and well why not why not continue in sin that we may give glory to the truth of his righteousness now, if that makes sense to you, it doesn't to me, but that's what they were thinking. Well, let's glorify God by just sinning more, because after all, the truth of his word makes it very clear that I'm ungodly, and I'm unholy, I'm unrighteous, and therefore the more I sin, the greater it proves that he is righteous and I'm unrighteous, so it gives glory to his truth. And so... Paul says, I'm going to just keep on lying. I'll just keep on sinning. Or he was making that kind of sarcastic argument there with those that thought like that. So as we move along, we come to verses 9 through 20 where he declares that, that uh, we are without excuse. We're all going to be guilty before God. We're all... <clears throat> going to be judged before God because uh, God has written some indictments against us and we willfully sin, we willfully disobey God even though we are unrighteous, even though we have that old damnic nature, we do have a consciousness of right and wrong, we do have the ability uh, to sidestep some of the sins that we commit in our lives but we but we failed to do so, and God keeps good records, and every sin that we commit is a law that we have broken, and God keeps records of those laws that we have broken. And one day we'll stand before God, and all the laws that we have been broken will be listed, and then we will be judged according to our, our actions and our inactions, our deeds of righteousness and our and our our failures, and our deeds of ungodliness. And we know that God is a faithful judge, and there are two judgments. There's the judgment of the saved. There's the judgment of the lost. And God is going to judge both fairly. The Bible says that every one of us will come before the judgment seat of Christ that are saved, and we're going to be judged for what we have done in the ways of righteousness and unrighteousness. We'll be judged with our works and we'll be judged with our failures uh, to do those works that God has called upon us to do. And uh, there'll be those, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that will receive a reward for all their their obediences and uh the things that they have done for the Lord out of love without the motivation of some fleshly desire. And God makes it very clear there'll be some who were unfaithful and they're saved, but they're saved by fire. In other words, they're saved by the blood of Christ and what he had to go through, but their, their lives have not been saved because they've been wasted and it's all been burned up. Because all they did in this world is live by uh, nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. And wood, hay, and stubble is consumable and it will burn. It's not lasting. It's all for the flesh. 
but the gold and the silver and, and the precious stones are things that are eternal and they will last. So when we invest in heaven, we invest in souls, when we do what God has commissioned us to do, well then there's a reward. So you're going to be rewarded. And then the lost, the same way, there are degrees of punishment in hell. Uh, there are those that are going to burn as hot as Hitler, and there'll be some that won't burn as hot because they were at least good people. There are good people in this world. They try to do right. They, they try to live according to a moral standard, but they, 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 they have a stiff neck toward salvation. They think they can get to heaven by some other way, or maybe they good people that just don't believe in God, but yet uh, you know, they, they hold down a job. They, they're faithful fathers and mothers, and, and they're good homemakers and good home providers, and, and they have some good moral values that they live by, uh, but they have, want nothing to do with Christ. But they don't live wicked lives. But they're going to hell. And Jesus made it very clear that there are some that's going to find hell a lot more tolerable uh, than others. Jesus even said that the mighty works uh, that was done here in Capernaum and, and those regions around, if those mighty works would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would repented. And so he says, it'll be more tolerable for them than it will for you. And so God is a righteous judge, and he judges according to how we strive in righteousness. But we can never measure up to the standard that God would, uh, would uh, have us to measure up to if, if we're going to be accepted of him in total righteousness. Uh, there's only one that could measure up to that, and that was Jesus Christ. You fell in one sin. You fell in one letter of the law, then you you failed the whole uh, book of the law, because it's kind of like a chain. You break one link, then the whole link is going to cause you to swing into hell. And so far, to my knowledge, there's not been one person that's ever lived a complete, total, righteous life. Uh, it doesn't have to be according to my knowledge. It's according to the knowledge of God's word because God's word said there's none that doeth good, no, not one. God's talking about the goodness that is based on his righteous standards, not ours. And so we read here in verses 9 through 20 that uh, sin is universal. Mankind will stand before God and be accountable for those sins. So God's righteous law, therefore, will bring all the indictments against us to help us to understand if we don't make it to the, to the uh, Bema seat, but if you end up at the great white throne, uh, God is going to judge you fairly based upon the deeds uh, that uh, you have obeyed from the letter of his law. So he says, notice in verse number 9, we'll read down to verse number 20. He says here that, uh, well, i got to find my place. Excuse me, I'm there now. So you can, you can follow along with me. He asked the question, what then? 
Well, what then about what? Well, these idiots that say, well, righteousness is what brings glory to God. And since we can't live up to that standard of righteousness, and you have, you have deemed us as a bunch of unrighteous people, so to give proof to your righteous law and give proof to your word in declaring us unrighteous, the more we sin... Well, the greater the truth of uh, what you say about us uh, shines out. And it only proves that you're right, and it proves that we are what you say we are, unrighteous and not fit for your kingdom. So then he comes up with the question, well, what then? Those that would argue, well, God, if you're going to say I'm unrighteous and and my sins demonstrate my unrighteousness, and you declare that your wrath upon me is vindicated because of my unrighteousness, uh, well, what then? (laughs) What can I do? What can you do? (laughs) What can we do? Well, he says says in verse number 9, Are we better than they that would say something like this? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And so a Jew that would say something like what Paul just said that some of these Jews were saying, if we were to think, well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I know myself better than that. I would never say that. I just say, well, I'm going to try my best, God, but I, I know that you're righteous, and I'll try my best, but I'm not going to go out there and send more to bring more glory to, to the truth of what you said about my unrighteousness. I would never do that, God. So that must make me a little better than those Jews that would say something so stupid as that, right? Well, Paul says, no, not really, because you're still a sinner, and you're still going to go to hell. And there's nothing you can do to save yourself. So he says, as it is written, notice in verse number 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They have all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues uh, they have used to see. The poison baths is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now we're getting somewhere. He makes it very clear that both Jews and Gentiles are guilty before God. That there's no way that 
any of us can justify ourselves in the sight of God. There's nothing that I can do to justify what I have done. I can't say, well, Lord, uh, I've lived the, the life that I've lived because I was treated so cruelly as a child growing up. My dad was a very mean father, and my mother smoked. And, and on top of my mother smoking and my dad being mean, he drank and he gave me booze to drink. And, and so I, I'm just a product of my environment, God. You need to understand that I could justify my actions because of the environment that I was raised in, because of the situations, because of the ethics that, that was crammed down my throat. Uh, well, I'm just a product of that. Don't you understand that, God? I mean, the world understands that. And I have people tell me all the time, it's not your fault, it's their fault. <laughs> But God says, no, you can't do that. You're guilty, and you're going, to have to, you're going to have to stand before me and give an account for yourself, just as your father will have to give an account for himself. Uh, every man's got to give an account of himself. Uh, no one can blame anyone else for their actions. And we can't even say, well, the devil made me do it. We have to understand that we are sinners. And so the Apostle Paul reminds us of all of this. Um, all these verses that I just read to you, he's, he's quoting from Old Testament passages. He's quoting from Psalms, 50, Psalms 5, verse number 9, Psalms 10, verse number 7, Psalms 14, verse number 1 through 3, Psalms 53, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 140, verse number 3. He's also quoting from Isaiah. And, uh, and then all of this is reaffirmed in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament as well. As uh, other writers uh, quote from uh, these Old Testament scriptures. And as the Lord Jesus Christ affirmed, he doesn't have to quote from anything because these are his words, Old Testament and New Testament. So we are reminded of these things. We're reminded that uh, it's not the flesh that causes the sin. It's the heart that causes the sin. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And so because, and the heart, by the way, is the seat of your soul. And your soul is a sinful soul. Jesus Christ come to save your soul from sin, not your flesh from sin. It's your soul that causes your sin, the flesh. And we have to understand that that soul needs to be redeemed. And once the soul is redeemed, then uh, we can have better control over the flesh. That's why the Bible makes it very clear that once we have uh, the Holy Spirit living within us, sealing our soul until the day of redemption, well, then uh, we can have greater control over the flesh. We do have the power now to say no to the flesh. We didn't have that power before. But before, we, the flesh was used uh, to bring about the sins of the soul. Notice he talks about the body. 
various parts of the body. He talks about the throat. He talks about the mouth. He talks about the eyes. Notice Jesus he even spoke about the mouth. He says, out of the mouth comes forth from the heart. Uh, they that defile man, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceeds murders. Out of the heart there is adultery. Out of the heart there is fornication. See, it all begins in the heart. Out of the heart, we find that people, they start thinking about stealing and then they steal. And you see, it's those things that defile false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, and how do they defile the man? They defile the man from the heart. Jesus talked about also the eyes. Talked about how the eye is the gateway to the soul. When I was visiting the doctor, they she wanted to examine my eyes. And she said, your eyes is the gateway to the health of your body. We can see so much about the health of your body through your eyes and through your feet because your feet is the foundation for your body. And um, they can tell by your feet what's going on with the heart, what's going on with circulation. Uh, you got poor circulation, uh, then uh, that means that... Uh, your feet are going to be swollen. Your feet uh, are going to have neuropathy setting in and numbness, and and it continues up the legs, and and so uh, they can tell a lot by the foundation of your body and by the window to your body. Well, the Lord talks about uh, how He can tell a lot by what's going on with the soul through the windows of the eyes. And the eyes are full of light, and then there's truth and righteousness. But when the eyes are full of sin, there's darkness. Have you ever noticed in the eyes of a backslidden Christian or a lost person, and you don't see that brightness? There's not that. There's they don't have that radiance, that, that glow. You can tell there's something going on. You can see guilt. You can see despair. You can see. Evil, you can see wickedness in in many people's eyes. And then there are some eyes that are deceptive too. So we can't always be sure, but God can be sure. The Lord says in Matthew's Gospel 6, verse number 22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if the eye be full of evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, the Bible talks about sinning against your soul. It is so important that we value our soul. It is so important that we understand that there are sins that, that can bring greater despair to our souls. We need to be careful about where we go and what we do. So the Word of God makes it very clear that, <clears throat> that the actions from the body is a result of what's going on in the heart. 
That's why the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth. Now, we need to make sure that our heart is in tune with God. People sometimes believe, but they don't believe from the heart. They believe from the head. And sometimes we've got to get it from here down to here. I remember years ago, I witnessed to a man by the name of, what was his name? The last name was Gamble. I can't remember. It was Gene Gamble. But anyway, I told you the story. He was a manager over at Standard Brand uh, paint stores here in Southern California. And he was making lots of money. And, and his uh, little girl and boy was riding our Sunday school bus. And they lived over in a really nice aviance area there in La Sierra. And, and I had the opportunity to, the, he invited me into his home. He was bragging, showing off his, all of his liquor. He had this big old huge bar and had bottles of bourbon, that, bourbon at that time that cost a few hundred dollars. And really proud of all of his booze stock, and he's bragging about everything that he had and how he didn't need the Lord, how good God was to him. And uh, he was telling me, he says, I know all about salvation. I can quote you to Romans Road. He says, I can take you right down. I can tell you Romans 3.23, all of sin. Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouth. Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, the gift of God. I can tell you all that. He says, I got it all up here. But he said, I don't have it down here because I, I really don't care to have it down here. And then he had a heart attack. He thought he was going to die. And then he wanted to get it down there. <laughs> and so, so my wife and I had the opportunity to go to the urgent care there, or not urgent care, but the a Parkview Hospital there, and, and I had the opportunity to witness to him and get it down there. But the heart is deceitful, it's full of pride, it's braggadocious, and it can fool people into thinking you're okay. Yeah. You know, watch out for that. So we see in verses 19 through 20 that the law and the keeping of the law is something that mankind is not able to do. And Paul points out that man's violation of the law is utter sinfulness. As we understand in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 19 through 21, he says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, reveling, and such the like of which I tell you before, I've also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you know, as I look right through this, I realize, well, there was a time that I, I committed idolatry. There was a time that I was flirting with witchcraft, was interested in those things. Uh, playing with the Ouija board, seeing if I could get that thing to move without, without pushing it. My, my sweet little wife, her girlfriend and her, they used to play with the Ouija board. You know, tear of cards. 
all those crazy things, adultery in the heart, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Yeah, I pretty much go down the list, and I find that where's the time that I'm probably guilty of every one of those things. Again, you know, we are reminded of what is said over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In fact, let's just go there again, or 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Or is it? No, it's not 2 Corinthians, it's 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says that we need to know. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So, you see, the law lists all those things, plus a few more things. We don't have time to read everything that the law lists. But the law pretty much condemns every one of us. There, I've run across a few people that think, uh, that they've lived the righteousness righteousness enough life to where uh, they don't know of anything that that they could be condemned of. I've not run into very many of them, but in my lifetime, I've run into two or three outdoor knocking, and they sincerely think that they're righteous. I I've never lied. I've never stolen anything. I've never did hurt or harm to anyone. I believe in God. I love him. I don't know that I've ever done anything. I, you know, I, I love my neighbor. I've obeyed my parents. No, I can't think of anything that I've ever done that is sinful or wrong. <laughs> and I said, well, can I ask you, have you ever coveted? No. Uh, have you ever been prideful, thinking that you're okay when you're not? Because you right now, you're, you're full of pride. You've got yourself deceived into believing you're okay. And that's one of the worst sinners. And then they get angry, and I say, well, there you go. See, now you just sin. I do my best to try to get them upset. And so, well, okay, now you're, you're angry at me. You just now sin. What are you going to do with that? <clears throat> But the Word of God does make it very clear that we're all sinners, but there are some out there that think that they're okay. And so the law brings condemnation against us. Paul points out that all of us are guilty before God. I mean, there's no getting around that. Most people will agree to that. So God then continues on, and here comes the good point. Good part of the lesson, God's righteous provision. Uh, God has provided a way. God has always made a way. And God, down through the ages of time before Christ, uh, gave people hope through the sacrifice of animals. They understood that those animals could not wash away their sins, but one day God would provide the perfect lamb. And they were looking forward to that day when that perfect lamb would be provided. So they would offer up that lamb in hope 
uh, of what God had promised. And so year by year, they would have their day of atonement, and they would offer up their lamb. And they had all kinds of various sin offerings that gave them the assurance and gave them the peace uh, and cleared their conscience for a little bit of time that one day a perfect sacrifice would be provided. And so that perfect sacrifice has come. The revelation of righteousness. Notice what we read in in verse number 21. Romans chapter 3 verse number 21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, and to all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So then where is boasting? Then is it excluded? By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. And we, you Gentiles, say amen to that. Amen. <laughs> I think I thought I was reading to a bunch of Jews there for a moment. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. So do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. In other words, through faith, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to say that very carefully not through my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the law is established. And I can live through the righteousness of Christ to the obedience of the law. Amen. I then uh, can stop my lying and stop my drinking and stop my, my bitterness and my hatred all through the righteousness of Christ. Now, that righteousness doesn't make me save. It, it only proves that I am saved because I have a changed heart. And it all came through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice there's several things here. We don't have to kind of, you have your notes. That's why I gave you the notes. Notice the revelation of righteousness is confirmed by the word of God. Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. That's why John could write in 1 John 5, verse number 11, 
through 13. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God. Now, what happened? I just went dead on the mic. And he that have not <clears throat> life have not the Son of God. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. He could write those things because it's confirmed in the Word. Yeah. We have the confirmation of God's Word. Amen. The Apostle Paul explains this revelation of righteousness as a gift in greater detail in Romans chapter 5. Notice in verse number 17 of Romans chapter 5. For if by man's offenses death reigned by one much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. You see, God's righteousness is a gift to me. And that righteousness is through the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made what? The righteousness of God through him. You see, it's God's gift of righteousness that shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You see, he wants to reign his righteousness in your life. Therefore, as by the offenses of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So he says, Moreover the law entered that the offenses might abound, but where sin abounded, what did much more abound? Grace. Grace. That is, sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when a man is truly saved, what is going to reign in his life? Help me out, class. What's going to reign in his life? Righteousness. It's right there. As plain as the nose on your face. We've been reading it over and over. What's going to reign in your life if you're truly saved? Righteousness. God has given you righteousness as a what? Gift. It's a gift. I don't have the ability to live a righteous life, but God has given me the gift of righteousness because a righteous person now has taken residence in my life. And so I have the ability through the grace of God, which is God's power and desire to live a righteous life. And God, I can't do that through myself. I can't do that through the law. I can't do that by just simply saying, well, I'm a Jew. <laughs> I do that because I have Jesus. So this is what he is pointing out here. So how does this righteousness communicate with man? Well, we read in verse number uh, 22 through 25 of Romans chapter 3. Uh, we'll read it again. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through what class? Faith. Faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So how does righteousness communicate with man? Well, it communicates with man through what class? Faith. There you go. Through faith. And it has to be faith through what? Through his blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse number 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us of our sins. And so it is through faith. You know, Paul points out that the righteousness of God is not by our faith, notice, but through the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. That's very important. That's why we read over there in Hebrews chapter 12 that he is the author and finisher of our faith. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the faith of Jesus Christ. You see, it's it's so important that I be connected to his faith. And his faith will help my faith to grow. And so that is very important, and sometimes people overlook that. So we do not earn righteousness by our faith. We receive righteousness through the faith in Jesus. Paul points out three important doctrines of salvation that come through this faith. Justification. Justification is an image from the court of law where we stand before the judge And uh, we are found not guilty because someone else took our place. And so he now sees us just as though we have never sinned. The redemption is an image from a slave market. We talked about that before. Where redemption solves the problem of man's slavery to sin in the world and the devil by buying us out of that market of sin. You see, we were purchased, redeemed, ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, propitiation is an image from the blood sacrifice of animals in the temple that appease God. It covers, it, it takes you to the mercy seat where Jesus Christ has entered into heaven and he has covered that mercy seat with his own blood And so you and I, when we come into the presence of God, uh, we find that there is an atonement, there is propitiation for our sins. There was something that was done that appeases God so that his wrath is no longer poured out upon us. When he sees the blood that his son spilt for us on Calvary, he is appeased. And therefore, he no longer feels that, well, i got to just beat the devil out of you. (laughs) No, it was already done through my son. And I'm satisfied with the whipping he took. And that's what propitiation means, an appeasement for sin by atoning our sins. So he concludes then, there's no room for boasting. It's all through Christ. 
No, that's why these people will, you know, it's it's, it's 80% Jesus, but then you got to, it's 20% of what you got to do, you know. No, no, it's 100% of Jesus. And that's why Paul, again, he makes it very clear to declare, I say at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him, uh, which believeth in Jesus. So where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. You see, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, I can't boast in anything. I didn't do anything. God did it all for me. All I had to do is just believe in what Christ has done for me. And once I put my faith in what he had done, it has to be in the cross. It has to be through the blood. I have to trust in the gospel. And when I do that, then it is what Jesus Christ did for me that delivers me from my sins. All right. Well, I can't think of anything more to say. Next week, we'll get into chapter four, and that will probably have to take a couple weeks in that lesson because